Welcome back. Here is part two with Rochelle Dittmore. You talked during our pre-interview about how there used to be more community centers available, that you used to find them up and down the street, but they have become less and less of an option mm-hmm. because we've gotten to a place where we don't believe there's a comeback. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what you said. Can, can you expand on this a bit? Yes. You know, when you look at all of our systems that address homelessness, everything is coordinated entry, everything is system-related. Um, there, there, are, there are many community centers in Sacramento. I can think of a few of them, like maybe a handful, mm-hmm. um, that you can walk in a front door mm-hmm. and someone can say, hey, this is, what do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, or like, would you like to sit down? I mean, I can think of maybe like five of them. And, right. I, and I always say, I'm sure that there is more than what I know of. I mm-hmm. never want to be like arrogant in my approach and say, hey, we're the only ones. Yeah. But what I do know is that once upon a time, there was many places yeah. in communities of need where people could walk in and there would be connection, whether it was something to eat, whether it was a center. And those places have disappeared. Yeah. We've gone to all of this 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 coordinated entry and these systems of data and 211 and you're a social security number and let's collect your data and we'll call you when it's time. And, you know, you used to see like churches that, you know, there would be the doors that at five o'clock they would open. Like I remember this back in the day, like five o'clock they would open, you would line up and they would count however many they could take, right? And you knew that you could come there every single night and um, and when they were full, they were full. But there was an open door. There was access. And it's like, even as neighbors, think about it. As my neighborhood, I had a beautiful neighborhood. As neighbors, I think post-COVID, like we don't have each other in our homes like we used to. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. visit each other like we used to. Mm-hmm. There is something culturally mm-hmm. that has been lost mm-hmm. that we've got to think about. Yeah. That there's not a front door anymore for someone to come into. Like I remember one night my neighbor who now is in D.C., um, and uh, her and her husband are both in politics and education and civil rights. But I remember like when um, her adoption fell through and at two o'clock in the morning, her husband was in Bakersfield and I got a, my doorbell ring and um, it was her. And she said, and she was just crying and she said, can we talk? And we sat on my couch and we just talked. And I'm like, the power of being a neighbor, the power of having an open door, like we love vintage things, right? I don't know about you, but I love going mm-hmm. to like antiques fairs and mm-hmm. things like that. It's mm-hmm. so fun. Like all of those things that we love. And I think there's there's a vintage connection. Yeah. There's a vintage friendship. There's yeah. a vintage relationship that like, it doesn't take away from the new and the modern and all of the things that we have access to. We love that too. But there's something, there's a detail that's so beautiful when something old enters the room. Yeah. And I think that it's something that we need to consider. You know, it's funny, this topic, because um, I told you a little bit about the um, the refugee family that came from Afghanistan that um, came to a couple years ago that we took in. Um, uh, Muslim family um, from Afghanistan. They had yes. they fled. We all we all know what happened there. Um, so they lived with us for a month. And um, one of the things I learned, and I continue to learn about uh, their family and how life is back there, is, mm-hmm. and this is quite common. Every night, they all the family, the extended family. So like her, her mom and sisters, or or his mom's. They they all just choose whose house they're going to go to that night. Yes. To have dinner, everybody brings something. This is nightly. 
and I'm not saying like that we should all transform. Right. We, we don't live, our, our right. country is a little different than that. Right. But the idea of like a Sunday dinner right. is like, even that is rare here. And it so is. for her, she, well, for them, they both said they're like, it, this, it moves so fast, this country, everybody's so fast. Where we're from, everything is very much slowed down to enjoy um, the connection. Mm-hmm. And they all are looking out for it. It's just a different way and um, a different I don't know if philosophy is the right word, but it was yes. for me inspiring. I'm like, wow, we yes. need more of this. Yes. Because they're all so close knit. Yes. I will say. Um, and I don't know if it's an American thing or, or if it's that, that we just don't live like this. I, I don't know if I'm not sure. Um, there are, there are so many heartwarming and incredible stories that you've shared with me and some that I've read about and, and, and watched online. Um, I did my homework. Uh, I want to talk uh, about a few of those. You, you've mentioned a few um, because there is an understanding that the issues we're talking about exist, but less of an understanding about how we can help. And uh, at the end of the day, the evidence is clear and the approach that you're taking does work. I wrote down four of the names that I, I could remember, but if any others come to mind, I would love for you to share. Um, we talked a little bit about Frankie and, Ale- Frankie and Alexis, but mm-hmm. online on um, a couple other podcasts, I, I um, listened about Samaya and Jed mm-hmm. um, and, and, Fra- and Frankie and Alexis as well. But there's yeah. any, I just, the evidence is very, very clear that yeah. something is happening and um, yes. you're going in the right direction. Yes. I mean, there, this is, there's not just a couple. There's a lot. A lot. A lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. I don't know if you want to pick out uh, one. I want to pick out Jedediah because okay. I think I touched on a few of the others. Oh, oh. I love this young man. His name means beloved. Oh, sweet. His name means beloved. And um, Jed was, um, had actually um, come out of prison. And when he came out, single father, um, and he, very short sentence, I think he was like in there for a year, um, had a history of selling drugs. Um, and again, when you look at his family environment and his grandfather, like a very familiar, grew up in poverty, you know, and that's what you see. It's just like it becomes a way out. Like when you're talking about children who were figuring out how do we eat, understanding boys, you know, this boys love their moms, Mm -hmm. you know, boys who saw struggling single moms, right? and became responsible like we see boys that like step in and protect mom steps that my son is like such a mama's boy yeah, he's going to be 15 yeah. you know in december and it's like opens up doors he's such a gentleman he's so sweet like very protective of mom like if i if he sees me feeling sad mom are you okay like so sweet right and so you look at some of these boys that especially like in their in their late 20s or 30s like that generation and like the culture of single moms and so you know jed started selling drugs as a kid and then it just becomes like a way of life it becomes familiar it's what you know i mean there's people that learn how to do investments as a kid because you grew up in that right you grew up in that culture and it's like you're in del paso heights and you're learning how to make money it's like this is familiar it's Mm -hmm. what people it's just what Mm -hmm. people do Um, it's survival. And so Jed ended up going to, going to prison. He gets out. We're seeing a rise of single fathers Mm -hmm. because of like the fentanyl epidemic, because of trafficking, 
what we've forgotten is that, hello, they're still children. Still children, exactly. And so um, our systems are not like this big net that are catching all these all these children. And that's another story for another day. Yeah. But, I mean, I found a baby in the streets um, uh, two times. The first time I called CPS and um, there was no response. The second time I ended up calling 911 and... Uh, um, Oh my goodness. Law enforcement ended up coming and there had never even been a follow through from the first time. And a week later, the baby was back in the home and this baby was like one and a half. And so an overloaded system, systems for whatever reason, great people that are in these systems, poor people that are in these systems, Uh but nevertheless systems, right? Mm -hmm. Where children are slipping through the cracks and we see them in neighborhoods. And so Jed, you know, grew up in that and he gets out and he has a three-year-old and he has a two-year-old and um, he also had raised another little girl um, that was not biologically his but she was um, the mother of his children and when this little girl was a baby Jed had taken care of her and Mm -hmm. probably through drug money and survival and all of those things so he gets out of prison and he's like I'm not going back to that life I'm a father so this young man was actually living in an encampment with his two children, mm-hmm. a three-year-old and a mm-hmm. two-year-old, and he has COPD. So he actually ended up in the city's motel voucher program, which at the time we were running um, case management and children's programs there. And there was something about him that was just so special. He always very much um, was hidden, would isolate himself, but like, I saw such a kind heart. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, no matter who you are, I'm like, where's your heart? Who yeah. are you? Are you yeah. in there? Yeah. And Jed very much did. And so um, it was heart-wrenching when he was placed um, there probably about four months uh, four months later, his little girl who was five years old was actually murdered in South Sacramento um, by someone who the mother had left this child with. It was all over the news. And so because of that, um, CPS ended up coming to check on the other children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you are getting life in order, there's a lot of things. Like some of us have to go back and fix our credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you've come out of lifestyles like this, there's other things that we need to correct address, and yeah. fix and address. Yeah. And so... City of Refuge was able to walk with him through such a beautiful season um, in partnership with CPS, getting things corrected, getting his parenting classes done, getting him into therapy. And I remember this one day sitting in the office with him and I said, I looked up his name. I love what people's names mean. I always look them up. And I looked up his name and I said, Jedediah, I said, do you know what your name means? Mm -hmm. And he said, no. I said, it means beloved. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and I'm like, I wonder if anyone had ever talked to this gangster this way, right? <laughs> I'm like, you are beloved. Like he has all, he's a great photo shoot because he has all the tattoos on his face and down his neck and on his hands. I'm like, you are beloved. And um, I said, what's your Instagram? And he shows me, I pull it up and it's like Jed with all the money, the fast money, the chains, the this and that, you know. Um, and I was like, look at this. And I was like, I don't know this person. Who Mm -hmm. is this? Mm -hmm. I said, if we're going to change course, you've got to change course. You've got to choose who you're going to be. Are you going to be a father 
or are you going to be this? Because mm-hmm. let me tell you what I see in you. And I just began to speak about what I saw in him. And some of our male advocates were there. And we just began to speak life into him. And um, he ended up that night texting me. And he says, Miss Rochelle, look at my Instagram page. And he changed it to believe in me. I don't know if that was for him or for me, but I'll never forget this story. Mm-hmm. And that was a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And Jedediah is the most incredible father. He is one of the best dads I've ever met. Um, when we build, mark my words, there's going to be a unit for him. Because I look at Jed and I'm like, if he doesn't have an opportunity to become more and he has to stay in survival as a single father, like how will he go to work? The opportunities for single fathers. When we think about homelessness, we don't think about a young man that got out of prison that wants to change his life. Like we love those inspiring stories, but he was living in an encampment with two babies. Then goes to the trauma of a loss of a child that's not biologically his. Mom is not present. Mm -hmm. You know, this is who he wants to become. Just believe in me. But there has to be more than belief. Belief is a great front door. Yeah. yeah. But like, where's the next for Jed? How do those children grow and cultivate? I've watched, like, if you look at his Instagram page, he's absolutely darling. Every single picture is Jed the dad. Well, didn't you, didn't, <laughs> I, did I read or watch that he started taking parenting classes? Oh, yeah. so excited about it. Yes. Yeah. And, and he would come in for, for like, touch-ups like so we use i would love to do another shout out yeah. um keep your love on kylo k-y-l-o oh, i watched it yeah okay yeah. so great um great resources for parents for connection for leadership and so we use all of their we partner with them mm-hmm. and we use all of their resources within city of refuge um danny silk wrote a great book called unpunishable breaking our love affair with punishment mm. um and so even when you think about correction and punishment and really giving that that opportunity through the power of connection, inviting people into more and introducing them to things they've never known before. And so like Jed has completed so many courses through Kylo. He's gotten certificates. Um, He volunteers at City of Refuge. Um, He's an incredible young man, an incredible dad. And it's like, you want to see, you want to see his son like go to college and never become incarcerated. Yeah. Give a, give a gangster, give yeah. a drug dealer an opportunity to be a father and to do more than survive and to give him the supports and to create bonds with his children that say, you know what? I don't care how little we have. I don't ever want to be apart from you again. Mm-hmm. His driving factor is that he never wants to be without his children again. And yeah. if he goes back to criminal behavior he knows that he'll end up in prison. If he goes back to certain neighborhoods, he knows that that opportunity and the temptation will be there. And so he has chosen father. Yeah, that's just, that is absolutely phenomenal. I, I I love, I love when a child becomes the person's reason for, for changing their path. Um, one of the biggest roadblocks to housing, even when someone has gotten their, themselves on the right track, is this issue of cost and qualification. If you don't make three times the rent and don't have the credit, it's incredibly difficult to mm-hmm. get into housing. I think people forget this. You told me the story about a woman who had worked at Rayleigh's full-time for 11 years. She made less than $20 an hour. She left her abuser. She took her two children and used the city's motel voucher program and had to wind up staying there for two years because she could not qualify for housing mm-hmm. because of the housing laws. The way the housing laws are 
car setup. She could rent. She could not rent a one bedroom. She had to get a two bedroom, which was too expensive. Mm-hmm. What she could afford wasn't allowed, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the <laughs> alternative was she could quit her job, apply for Section Eight, and gain affordable housing that way. It seems like it's a lose lose system. Can you even believe it? No. <laughs> and what's most ironic about this is that there is big money in affordable housing. So the same people who hate the system are the ones that are making tons of money off it. Absolutely. Yes. And these laws are created around it. And so, and then we look at it and, you know, you see, you see the perspective of like, ugh, taxpayers and people living off of our dollars. And yet you also see these other structures that are created to help. And again, I'm not one for saying, hey, let's tear down all the structures. But like, I've been in this space and in this system and I'm like, this is not working for those who choose. Like we talk about that invitation to return, giving places of restoration with the belief that those who return are not the problem, they are the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the rebuilders and the ones that will go in and will go back into these spaces and say, hey, I've been there, there's hope. Mm -hmm. Your drug and alcohol counselors, your social workers, you know, your your families, bringing back family, restoring families, seeing seeing strong families return again. Um, I love family Mm -hmm. and I don't think there's anything better than family. And Mm -hmm. you look at these structures and you're like, there's no way forward. Yes, one of our one of the guests that was in the City Motel voucher program, she was actually in the motel for two years. She was a she left a domestic violence uh, situation, and so you think about it. You're a mom of kids, and you leave domestic violence. And I'm sure even a lot of our our listeners have had histories of domestic yeah. violence. It's something that is not an economic issue. It is something that we have all experienced, and. Um, And so leaving with children, you don't have family, you don't have a place to go. And so for her, her 40 hour a week job at Rayleigh's that she had had for 11 years was the one thing in life that she was proud of, that she Mm -hmm. had, like Mm -hmm. she had lost everything. Mm -hmm. She had to leave everything behind, but it wasn't enough to rent an apartment. Her abuser had ruined her credit. And so no evictions, but you have poor credit. And so if you have a certain number, you're having to pay that much more in your deposit. You have to make three times the rent. Mm -hmm. Like say that you're making, you know, you're bringing home $2,500 a month. Mm -hmm. You know, We, we at least have to respect and admire work. Like if you hear the story of a single mom that's a working at Taco Bell, and taking every last shift she can because she wants to work hard. Mm-hmm. Most of us will look at that and say, wow, mm-hmm. that's so honorable. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like poverty is not to be despised. We see people in the opportunity that we've had, but that is something that should be honored. Mm-hmm. That mom can't find housing today. It's impossible. So she is left with, because there's no way you can make three times the rent because of what the... Um, the going rates are for housing. I know. You would have to pay that or you're going to wait in line and quit your job and say, hey, I got housing for the rest of my life for $150 a month. Put this one thing that you can be. Exactly. Paid. Yeah. And and then it's like, I'm going to pay $150 a month for the rest of my life. And you have people that work hard that, that believe like, okay, we can't create those systems. You've got other people that say, but guess what's who's in the middle of all of our ideas? Mm-hmm. People. Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. are in the middle you know and like I look at people and I'm like you know what 
Some of you, you may need Section 8 for the rest of your life. You yeah. really struggle. You're that yeah. far and you just may need that support. And again, the level of mental health that we're seeing today is very severe because of complex trauma, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, and so there are some that like, there, there is that need. There are many who will be homeowners. Mm-hmm. There will be many who will be college graduates. There will be many who their children will be college graduates and homeowners and be participants and contributors to society and not merely takers. Yeah. But there's no room for them. And so she actually refused to quit her job. And I'm like, I can't even. Like my team was like, what do we do? What do we I'm do? Like, right. You you let her stay and save, and we keep on looking yeah. because she doesn't leave that job. No. And um and so she eventually found housing, but it was like almost two and a half years that she lived for free. Think about this: lived for free in the city's motel voucher program with zero responsibility, no rent, no utilities no requirement to participate in any program because that's a federal mm-hmm. law. It's a housing first mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. Right. Okay. Like I am a merciful person who believes in creating invitations, clearly compassionate with mm-hmm. a belief in people, but we're literally just letting people just, Ooh, I'm saying something maybe I shouldn't, but no, we're, letting, we're letting, well, you're people not giving them opportunity just, to- we're letting people just, we believe something about them. Right. If that's the space that we create, we believe something about them. And so these structures are not created to find the ones that want more. I mean, you and I even talked a little bit about your upbringing mm-hmm. and look at you. You mm-hmm. are a powerful, influential woman who grew up in an environment that's different than what yours became. Yeah. You know, there's yous in this world. There's little girls right now that are Kims in the waiting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That I should say, Edit, because I know my mom's going to listen. I had attachments and I had lots and lots of love from my single mom. I was so fortunate for that. Yes. Had that, had my mom not been so present and engaged and really gave up her own life for her kids, there's, I, you know. Yes. Don't you see that though? The resilience and the beauty and the power and the wealth Mm -hmm. that is also in the struggle. Mm -hmm. Like for me, like my mom, the same, like Mm -hmm. I grew up, my dad was very sick growing up. My mom remarried when I was three and it had over 20 surgeries, but my parents owned a house. We, my parents did buy a house, Mm -hmm. but because we owned a house and it was a small little house in a very low income neighborhood, but they were owners. So because they were owners, we didn't have access to any supports. My mom worked two jobs her whole life. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I have this memory and I'm like, I remember getting a job at 14 years old and being hungry and someone at work had thrown a half eaten hamburger away in the garbage can and I remember eating it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I have those memories. Yeah. Right. And, but for me, I like my upbringing and the resilience of our mothers, Mm -hmm. poverty I would never even have considered myself poor. No, that's the funny Poor thing. is a mentality, right? Right. Like I had never had anything brand new as far as clothes did. Mm-hmm. They were always hand-me-downs. I love those hand-me-downs. We had some really wealthy friends in Palace Birdies, right? <laughs> yeah. But they were always clean and iron. Mm-hmm. And I never, ever, ever thought of myself as poor. Yeah. And so that's actually one of the things when we think about when as our, with our building project that we're going to talk about a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. We're building um, this restorative housing community for children with working families. I'm like, why should we call people poor? I think about Jedediah and I'm like, he will be a working father 
living in community, raising children, healing and restoring bonds and attachments and creating a world for him as he rebuilds his life because rebuilding takes time. But I don't believe that Jed will ever want to be called poor, nor do we want no. to call him poor. No. He's restoring. Yeah. And we're rebuilding yeah. and you're working. And yeah. there should be something that should be honored and respected and having that opportunity because people become what you create for them and mm -hmm. what you tell them they are. Mm -hmm. You became something because your mom, even though our our families may have not have had access to all of the resources that our children may have, that there was a belief system that mm -hmm. was still given to us, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. That was rich. Absolutely. So shout out to our moms. Yeah, I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, the other issue I asked you about in our pre-interview is rehab. Um, and, and you were saying if you have children and nobody to take your children, rehab is basically impossible because as it stands now, if someone comes to you with like say a meth addiction, for example, you send them to UC Davis, but they'll only keep them for 48 hours for that initial detox. Um, you have one place in San Francisco that you've been able to partner with a rehab for a men, a nonprofit program. And in discussing this, you you were saying, um, you said partnerships in general from individuals with businesses to government to community members, yes. these are the partnerships that will create the end roads to homelessness. Yes. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the partnerships you have in place uh, or Absolutely. hope to create and what their role has been? You know, I was uh, speaking with someone the other day and I, I believe that building community is more like a puzzle than, um, you know, often we look at partnerships and we think, okay, what can a business do to help us? Or people will come to me and say, what can I do to help City of Refuge? What can I do to help you and Lauren? And I think it's more, how do we put puzzle pieces together to create this beautiful mosaic that becomes a picture? Because I think that there are many of us that were like, oh, I have a desire to be a part of this. Or mm -hmm. I have a desire to take put something with social enterprise behind my business. Like we've seen that so much, like from the beginning of Tom's, which were Tom's the most amazing shoes ever? Probably not. You know, everybody thought they were cute, but yeah. maybe originally if some average person would have had them on, but we loved the story. Yeah. We loved that there was mission. We loved that there was a purpose to one pair of shoe buying another yeah. pair of shoes for someone else. And so um, I think when I think about partnerships, it's really, we were all born to have purpose and mission. And I think that when our purpose and mission just is self-fulfilling, we're missing something. And many of us feel like we're missing something. I want purpose in my life. And so um, our partner, our partnerships include, you know, everything from uh, Senator Ashby's um, office, you know, who we were just funded $8 million for this restorative mm -hmm. housing project, which we'll talk about in a little yep. bit, which I'm super excited, to um, Strappings. It's a, it's a business. Um, a cute little store in in Sacramento that they'll do uh, drink drives or school supply drives or things like that. Um, we've had partnerships with salons and and dentists. I'm speaking to a group of Amazing. 25 dentists wow. next week. I'm sorry, 25, 2,500 dentists. Wow. Uh, dental dental association. Um, uh, next week. And so um, some of those partnership, other nonprofits, uh, Community Against Sexual Harm, an incredible organization led by my friend um, Sawan Vaden, who's the executive director, who is herself a survivor of human trafficking, all peer-led, you know, working together for the common good. And so there are just, there's just so much room. And, and I think when we think about need, 
it's not just our need, it's meeting all of our needs yeah. to live on mission with purpose and say, I want to be a part of answers. I want to have purpose. I want to feel like I'm giving to something. Mm-hmm. And so there's many ways to do that. Yeah, totally agree. I think we all have something that we can offer. Um, as you said, you do have plans to expand. There is a major, major expansion incoming, and I want you to fill in the gaps. But mm. just to start this conversation off, um, the expansion includes a full uh, restorative temporary housing community for which the residents will pay a percentage of income, random drug testing if that's been their sto- their history, uh, no visitors, they need to be going to school or working full-time, 30 to 90-day rehab on-site, child care on site, counseling services. This is this is being created to allow them the opportunity to relaunch their legacy. Um, with that, I want to say um, you were very emphatic when you said that it's not the belief that the city of refuge is the rebuilder of the leg- their legacy. It's the mm, belief that they are. Yes. Why is this so important? Ooh, I, uh, because they are. Yeah. This isn't something that is a book that I've read. It's been 30 years of the life that I've led. Mm-hmm. And I've watched them mm-hmm. and I've listened and I've seen them and I've sat across tables from them and I've watched them go back into ruins and speak life and say, my, my, one of my staff, Tanji, she was actually pronounced dead on fentanyl five years ago and is um, the most incredible advocate, teacher, leader, mother. Um, her son, because of the life transformation, will never be in juvenile hall, will never be on the streets, will never be in trouble in school. You know, I, and I'm not saying that like our kids because we do are, are perfect. But yeah. what I'm saying is like when you look at trajectories of what they will naturally become, uh-huh. Isaiah will never naturally become that. Right. You know, and he is like the most respectful, incredible young man because of the life change. It's like they are the rebuilders. They are the ones who have come from, you know, faith is, you know, even though in every room I may not take my um, my words, faith is what drives me. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with Jesus is what drives me. Mm-hmm. And it's where my foundation and my belief system lies. And yeah. there's a verse in Isaiah 61 that regardless of what our faith journey or perspective is, it's so powerful. And, um, and it says this, um, it talks about, you know, that I've been called to bring good news to the poor, mm-hmm. to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they will be called the oaks of righteousness. I, I think Jesus must have thought about me when that was written um, because <laughs> he put have. me in Oak Park, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and um, and it's like that. that is such a roadmap of like what if we brought beauty to ashes? What if we brought joy in places of mourning? What if, mm. what if we brought singing and dancing where it has been lost and there was some Something that reminded people once again and 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 they actually rather than shame that righteousness was restored mm-hmm. to the land of the living mm-hmm. there's another verse in Isaiah 58 that says um, it talks about like if you want light to shine upon you there's actually the scripture and you know the religious ones were fasting and they were doing all these things and creating all of these you know um religious acts and God said to them he's like basically in common language he said what are you doing I never ask you to do that if you want to please me go go loose the cords of injustice go give to the poor 
go do these things. And, and it's actually really beautiful because it says, and if you do, your healing will come quickly. I don't think that it's acts that causes our healing. I think when we are so self-absorbed in our own lives, in our own struggles, in our own, when we get our eyes outside of ourselves and we look at others, our perspective changes. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's very healing in giving, right? Mm-hmm. And in being in environments where we're reminded there's priorities that are reset. Something happens. And it goes on to say, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins. Mm-hmm. They will rebuild the places that have been devastated for generations. And you will become the priest of the Lord. And, you know, I, I can't take credit that these are my ideas. These mm-hmm. are God's ideas. <laughs> yeah. I just listened. Yeah. And, but they're great. They, 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 it, it, it's because, you know, in my own faith journey that I believe that it comes from him, that it works. Yeah. I don't, I don't have these great ideas on my own, yeah. but I also don't have to take that language into every room because there's an authority that I believe that I see mm-hmm. and it works because he said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fully agree with you on that. Um, there's so much more I could say, but I know we're running out of time. Um, as we close, I want, well, be- actually before we close, um, can you tell us a little bit about the um, what what your expansion is? Because I just I gave a few details, but I know it's large, oh, very yes. very large. Can you kind of go into detail uh, a little bit? Life dream. I'm super excited, and I, I'm like, I think we're gonna cut ribbon on my husband and I the year of my 50th birthday. Oh no! Isn't kidding. that so exciting? That like that exciting. year. So we're looking at we're breaking ground in March. Um, so we have had designs for the last five years. Um, for we just we did a mock of. You know, one day I was sitting at my table with the former secretary um, for CDCR who ran all of California state prison systems, who now serves on our on our board, Ralph Diaz. And we were having dinner, speaking with he and his wife. And it was really this, like, we've created this amazing housing program now. And, like, we have a child psychologist joining our team in in. Uh, next month in two weeks. I'm super excited. Amazing. 13 year. Um, she was offered chief of staff at a hospital in DC and she's joining our team. We're so excited about this. We have an LMFT who's our program director. And so we've taken heart and passion and mission and put it together with a clinical and also therapeutic um, approach as we've built program. But you look at these spaces and I'm like, this is great. We have, we have the spaces where we invite people to return. We've created and will continue to multiply these places of restoration. But what is next is how do the rebuilders really become the rebuilders, right? Mm-hmm. How do you become the rebuilders and continue to rebuild your life where we're not stuck in a motel for two years. Mm-hmm. We're not graduating from a program where we've done so much work, so much hard, courageous work. We've made hard choices, you know? We've healed, we've recovered, but like life doesn't change in a year. And then we go back to environments that are full of survival and drugs and poverty and people that are using and all of that stuff. Like how does how does health sustain when we think about healthy families how does that sustain in lesser environments 
I don't think it's possible. Mm -hmm. I think it's the rare individual that can live in a neighborhood with McDonald's on every single corner and no local grocery store and no local garden that will ever be healthy. But send them to a farm for a year, teach them to eat organic, healthy, drink your water, have access to all of those things, and then go back in your neighborhood with just McDonald's. You don't have a car. You're going to go back to French fries, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So we've watched it so many times, and I'm like, where is the space? for leadership, for pollinators, for the rebuilders, and for healing to continue for those who choose, as well as being empowered, right? Yeah. Like when when our residents get a job, they are so proud. It's like the best thing ever. I got a job. Yeah. Their dream, they want a job. You ask them in their intakes when they come in. We did a study. What, what are you looking for? Every single person that comes in definitely has one thing in common, regardless of their situation. They have been homeless. But when you ask them, What are you looking for? And you give them boxes to check. 96% of them checked on stability, not housing. And we began to ask that question. So what does stability mean to you, right? It means a job. It means like my child being safe. It means like finishing my high school diploma or my GED. It means going to college. What we found is there was dreams in there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just housing. Mm -hmm. Crisis led them to saying, life has not worked. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've never seen life work for anyone, but I want to try. And we did, um, you know, this beautiful graduation where we had 16 women that graduated this last year. And they were fortunately able to be housed Um, in a new complex that took three years to build that was in Natomas that Senator Ashby had actually partnered with SHRA. Um, But it's a very rare thing. It happened to be there was one window and we were able to get these women in there. And I'm watching these women working and thriving. And now the waiting list is back to two years again. And the options for housing are so rare. And I'm like, there has to be more. And I think that was for me always the the next was there has to be more we've gotten here and this has been great but what is next Mm -hmm. because i don't feel good about creating this space and then sending people back to dumpsters there there has to be better option than dumpsters to grow in we we must build gardens and then childhood you know i started off you know, 19 years ago, running after school programs. If Mm -hmm. you come into my office, it looks like childhood wonder. Like (laughs) I love children and I've, I've missed working with children, but children grew up to be adults. And then I took many children in over the years. And now I'm like, I want to help these young women who I just turned 48 last week. Um, but I want to help these young women who feel like my children be mothers to their children. Because what I see is that regardless of the struggle, there's nothing that children love more than their parents. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. want to be with their parents. Yeah. And so we really had to like break our ceiling and our box and saying what could happen. Yeah. And so five years ago, City of Refuge purchased the field, which is right next to our community center on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And during COVID, we purchased our building and we are in conversation about purchasing additional property Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. Um, but what we are building is a restorative housing community for children and working families and so we are building the return to wonder on Martin Luther King Boulevard Mm -hmm. okay imagine this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love Peter Pan so you know what this has to feel like Garadelli Square meets Main Street um, with wonder and 
an occupational therapist is going to walk into our early childhood development center and it's going to be a dream. Mm -hmm. We're going to have the bottom floor will be all workforce development, a three-tier um, sweet shop that is um, international, Big Mama Sweet Shop, Brisa's, which is in Folsom, and an Asian experience where there's going to be books and wonder, but workforce development. Imagine people out of prison or people who have come out of addiction working in sweet shops, learning how to work, with childhood being the story. On the other side, a barber shop that will bring back the, the barber used to be the story historically of the mentor and the uncle. Mm -hmm. And so almost like a Chick-fil-A type model where we create workforce development where we're teaching values and manners and connection mm -hmm. and work. Um, and then my daughter, um, Sophia, who is nine years old, she loves animals mm -hmm. and we bought the domain for the paw spa. Um, spelled spelled S-P-A-W, which will create a, the paw spa, which will be, um, training and um, in like grooming, grooming, yeah. yes, and um, getting those certificates right now. You can get them at like PetSmart. You can yeah. work there. You can get those there. We want to create something absolutely darling as yeah. a part of this world of wonder for children. Um, a state of the art children's center where we will do everything from dance and art and music and songs and um, to parenting classes to. Um, family strengthening spaces to uh, family therapy where we will be uh, working on those things like early childhood bonds and attachment disorders. They're actually moving therapeutic practices. Like my watching is actually documented. My friend that is actually a doctor, a child psychologist, she said, we are speaking in our hospitals right now in the same language where we're seeing that the way to very wounded adults is actually doing more family therapy and addressing the child, but it's actually going through the back door and mm -hmm. he bringing healing to the adult and to the family as a whole. It's actually a proven practice. Interesting. And so creating that space and then in that incorporated housing that um, we are, we're looking for our architect right now. So if you are magical mm. and this sounds really exciting to you to create um, Wonder in Oak Park on Martin Luther King Boulevard, come and find us, yeah. right? So we're having different conversations, but in this incorporated housing. So we're hoping for 65 units uh -huh. where, um, you know, it's this world for children. And so the question is asked, well, do you have to have children to live there? And my answer is no, but we're creating a world for children. What does what does a safe world for children look like? I was invited this last year to D.C. Um, one of my friends was honored. She shut down. Uh, what, she went after the largest worldwide trafficker, which was Backpage, which was trafficking right. millions of children, millions and millions, a multi-billion dollar um organization and Maggie actually just um, dedicated her proceeds to her book to City of Refuge um, to be a part of this project but uh, she invited me she was honored in DC by the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children and I remember walking up and just again hearing it again I walked up and it said every child deserves a safe world to live in mm -hmm. but I think about children that were never found Mm -hmm. right that's something that you and I talked mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it's like childhood that went missing and what happened. And so I think that when I think about childhood, for me, I look at Jedediah the father, but I see the child in him. Yes. That is still restoring. Yes. You know, I think about like some of the older ones. I told Lonnie yesterday, so cute. He came in and Lonnie is like in his 60s. And um, 
Lonnie is in his 60s and he walked in and I said, Lonnie, I said, I'm building you an apartment in a couple of years. And I said, you're going to live here. You're going to do security. He's an incredible man. He's he's struggled. He's been he's struggled. He's been in poverty for a while. Um, And he helps weekly with the food distribution. And he's such a good man. He comes and helps at City of Refuge. But like he's safe. You know, he is a grandfather. Um, he he wants to be a part of a family and, 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 and to live with mission and purpose and to live out his days when we think about elderly that are in these spaces that for different reasons they became what they did. And it's like everyone needs a child mm-hmm. and everyone once upon a time was a child. Mm-hmm. And we either spend our life launching from childhood or spending the rest of our years recovering from it and so this is a chance to relaunch legacy through creating this multi-dimensional space um, that creates workforce development trauma-informed care uh, state-of-the-art children's and family center with incorporated housing that is the world of wonder on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. It, I mean, it sounds amazing. It looks amazing. I saw the plans in your office. You're starting in March? We we are hoping to break hoping ground in March. Hoping to break yes. ground in March. And how yes. long does the project they anticipate it would take? Well, uh, we have uh, we will be receiving $8 million from the state of California um, to begin the project. We imagine that the entire portion of it that would be the entire block would be about a 20 million dollar project and so we're we're planning on um, all goes well in 18 months from March having the first phase Mm -hmm. completed Mm -hmm. and also launching our capital campaign and partners and there's so many ways that that people can partner I mean there's designers there's architects there's things that you know maybe we can do for there, there's yeah. just I think there's people that would love to be a part of this, 100%. and I'm like the yes. state of California has never seen something like this, uh-uh. and I think that in our capital right here in Sacramento to have the chance to build something like this that just inspires. You know, when people use the word model, I just say ah, I don't want to be a model, but I do want to inspire. Yeah. I want to inspire yeah. people to say like, hey, there are things that are possible. Um, there are things that are possible that yeah. may look different and building the and for yeah. people. Yeah. Well, you've inspired me. Um, this has been amazing. Um, I hope you guys all enjoyed this too. As we close, I just want to tell you how absolutely moved I've been by the work of City of Refuge and by all the lives that have been transformed by everything your program stands for. And I think uh, most encouraging is the fact that these individuals aren't just being fed and housed, but they are relaunching their legacies. They're breaking the cycle, which means that future generations within their families and homes um, will have a real foundation and and grow uh, to grow from and opportunities to form attachments that will prevent them from repeating the same cycle over and over. Um, so on behalf of myself and our listeners, I just really want to thank you. I am, I'm so grateful that you agreed to come here today and that we've been able to see this issue from an entirely different angle, which, you know, like most things only happens when we take the time to peel back the layers and examine the root cause of why the vicious cycle exists in the first place and why it continues to repeat Mm. itself. So the other, so that, you know, together we can start to understand it. Um, So thank you so much, Rochelle. And to all of our listeners, Thank you for joining us. I hope you all love this as much as I have, and we will see you guys back here next week. Bye. 
That's all for this episode of Humanity Unlocked. Do you have a personal story to share with us? We're all ears. Visit humanityunlockedpodcast.com and send us an inquiry. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please leave us a five-star review and hit subscribe to hear weekly episodes of our show.